It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time for the sixth annual off-season roundtables. I can't believe it. Sixth annual. Time goes by so quickly. The first time we did these was when the Jets were gearing up to pick a quarterback after they traded up with the Indianapolis Colts. And now, of course, the Jets look like they may be moving on to their third quarterback since. And so to lead off our roundtable this offseason are Ricky Henderson, if you will. And kids, if you don't know who Ricky Henderson is, go Google him. Greatest leadoff hitter of all time. My buddy, meteorologist extraordinaire, Ed Valley. Ed, what's going on, brother? Welcome back to the show. How's it going, Scott? I, I will say, I have to say, I appreciate the intro, but Ricky Henderson, I'm a lot slower than he is, uh, so we're going to have to figure something out there. I don't know if that's quite the right descriptor I would use, but I'm happy to be back. You're slower than Ricky, but I think you might have better ideas about how to fix the Jets than he would. Well, I would hope so. I don't think Ricky's uh, following miserably every single day uh, through the last you know, 12 to 15 years, so it's it's been a it's been an arduous journey, but, you know, I, I think we have some glimmers of hope here moving forward. Ed, for Ricky Henderson's mental health sake, I hope that he is not watching the Jets and following closely. I would <laughs> not want that to happen to one of the greatest baseball players of all time. But we unfortunately are stuck with that fate. So let's talk about it. And we'll start with yep. what happened this past year. Your thoughts on the collapse, what went wrong and everything before we get into what you think the Jets should do in the offseason. Yeah, you know, I, I think... Everybody and their mother was shocked when we got to the point where, you know, Brees and ABT went down what we were five and two at that point. And, you know, I, I think at that point it was really the uh, that win in Lambeau where I was like, holy cow, you know, maybe we have something here. And and that was really when the kind of I'm, I'm a meteorologist, as you mentioned, and I think part of predicting the future is having a realistic outlook. Right. So I, I think at that point I was like, holy cow, you know, maybe this is this is worth keeping an eye on. And, and you know, we were six and three, seven and four. And it was, again, being a realist, I think being a fan, fan is short for fanatic. Uh, being a pragmatic fan is kind of an oxymoron, if you will. <laughs> but, you know, that was one of the things that when I when we got to that point, I think everybody with with a pulse on the Jets knew that Zach was struggling, you know, even in that Denver game, I was actually on a cruise that day in the Bahamas and I, I didn't know anything about the game. And I saw the final, you know, a- afterwards it was 16 to nine, I believe. And then I looked at the the box score and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is just classic. What I was expecting, you know, given no, no context, no commentary through the game. And you see that stat line. I think Zach was like 16 for 26 for 122 and, and no touchdowns, no interceptions. And obviously Brees, 
had that explosive run. And I was like, this is, this is Jets football for this year. And we just got to deal with it, unfortunately. So at that point I was a little wishy-washy. And then as we moved into the back half of the season, I think, um, you know, our offensive line depth really reared its ugly head with all those injuries we had. And, and obviously our quarterback play too. So uh, I think it was a, a combination of a lot of things. We frankly wasted a, a really, really, really nice defense uh, I'm not sure what the final stats were. Maybe you have them. You know, I, I thought it was top five in, in total defense, but maybe that was might be a little too uh, generous given the last few games of the season. But it was a, you know, a, a situation where I think it was offensive line depth really hurt us. Um, quarterback play, and then of course even even the, the some of those coaching decisions in the last few weeks of the season were a little head scratching to me. You know, given that time management and even some personnel decisions. So I, I think it was a lot of things that went into it, but at the end of the day, um, you really can't win in the NFL when you don't have a good quarterback and, and good players protecting said quarterback. Right. So that's kind of where I thought it went wrong. I, I still think there's some room for hope and room for plenty of improvement if the right decisions are made. But overall, that's kind of where in my head I saw from the beginning of the season through the end. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. And where are you at on Joe Douglas and Robert Sala right now? I think I'm a little bit more open to to Joe Douglas than I am to Robert Sala right now, but I'm fully understanding that they're a, a package deal. Um, I, I think JD, you know, he's um, he's made he's made some really good personnel decisions in the last few years, but 2020 draft not looking too hot. 2021, you can even argue, is maybe average at best. It's really that, you know, every year moving forward, he, he's gotten better with his drafting. But, uh, you know, some of those waiver wire pickups that he made, you know, JFM being a big one, um, some of the other uh, personnel decisions uh, have been good. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of room for improvement, especially when, um, you know, the offensive line was supposed to be his his strong suit. And we know how Mackay's turned out, unfortunately, thus far. Um, McGovern's been okay. You know, I, I, I've heard some back and forth regarding, you know, his, his play over the last few years. I think he's serviceable. Um, but I think we could use an upgraded center. Um, Lakin has unfortunately been a disappointment as far as I've, I've been concerned here so far this year in his first year in New York. Um, and then on the, on the right side, I mean, you had Fant who was playing on one leg. It felt like the entire year, Dwayne Brown was playing with, with, uh, you know, a torn rotator cuff, um, so I mean I, I think overall the the full body of work I would I would classify maybe as average. Again, I'm a pragmatist. I'm not one to be um, you know really hyping somebody up if they don't deserve it. So I think JD he's done an average job. Which again, your record tells you who you are, and, and your record through five years now is 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 or four years is not good, right? So I, I think that's that's kind of one part of it. And then I, I liked the Salah hiring when it happened. Uh, I really did. Uh, I liked his staff when when it was when it was compiled. I, I thought Lafleur was a, a good young, up and coming offensive mind. Uh, which at the time, after the the stink that Gase left and and Mister Loggins left, um, I was open to it. And you know, it was a young coaching staff growing with a young team. So at the beginning, even last year, I, I really like how Salah is a leader of men. I think he he stands up for his players. He looks out for their best interest, um, maybe to a fault sometimes. Um, and I think really weeks one through 12 this year, I, I think he was arguably really good navigating a lot of hairy situations, if we're being honest. You know, the injury to Zach preseason and obviously the first quarter of the year, 
Um, the trade requests from from Mims and, and Moore, I think he handled those as, as good as you can, given the given the circumstance. Um, now the details behind that, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe we'll know at some point. But you know whether it was uh, an issue with the quarterback or issue with the the play calling, uh, but he handled that publicly to the media as, as as best you can, right? So from that perspective, I think he he started the season pretty good. He uh, you know the receipts comment, I can take it or leave it play on the field, win. That's all I care about. Um, but I, I appreciate how he sticks up for his guys. He sticks up not only for his players, but also his, his staff. So I like that. But, but some of those decisions at the end of the, at the end of the year here with respect to timeouts, uh, with respect to even the, the rotation on the D line was, is still kind of odd to me. You know, if, if you have a monster like Quinn and Williams and, and, you know, some of these other players on the edge that like Bryce Huff, who don't get a lot of play time, um, you know, you got to have your best players on the field. So that part of it is a little odd to me, but he's a leader of men. He, he, you know, I think he knows what he's doing, but I think at the same time, there is a lot of improvement, you know, in a young second year now, almost third year head coach, he, he can improve with his time management. He can improve with his uh, personnel decisions, but, you know, I, I think JD is, let's call it maybe a six out of 10. I'll, I'll give solid, maybe a five out of 10. So I think both can improve They're They're a package deal. Um, but again, I, I think you're only as good as your players, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, you know, when you don't hit on quarterback and you can't develop a quarterback, um, it's hard to win in this league, and and ultimately, as a coach, you're going to be judged on that. Ed, where are you at on the move to replace Mike LaFleur? Did you think it was the right decision to move in a different direction? Yeah, it's, it's I could go either way, and I know that sounds like a cop-out, but I, I think there are there's evidence that speaks to both sides. I, I think... He's a young, up-and-coming play caller um, who really, I think, between the 20s did a really good job. I think he he worked in a lot of motion. He worked in, um, you know, some of those jet sweeps. You know, I would have loved to see them go to Moore instead of Barrios half the time. Um, but I, I love some of his play calling between the 20s. Now, you get in the red zone, I, I think he, he did struggle, as I think most people noted. But at the same time, as I mentioned earlier, with Salah, you're, you're only as good as – really on the offensive side of the ball, your weapons and your quarterback. And I think the weapons that we've compiled over the last few years have been pretty good. But at the same time, if you whiff on number two in the draft and you, your backup is, is, let's be honest, Mike White, which let's not get into that right now, but he was serviceable, but he's a backup. And Sala even mentioned, you know, I was in San Francisco and we played Dallas in the preseason. I don't remember him. And I get it. So, so from that aspect of things, um, you know, it's it's tough to win in this league and be a productive offensive coordinator with a with a shoddy quarterback situation. So that's one aspect. Now, on the flip side, we've seen what some of these other teams around the league have done with worse. Right? We got Brock Purdy again. He might be the next Tom Brady. He might not. That's that's here nor there. But he was Mister Irrelevant, and he was plugged into Shanahan's system and has been playing very well. Um, now, I'm not expecting, you know the Super Bowl from the Jets, but, you know, I would have liked to see a, you know, maybe a, a touchdown in the last few weeks of the season. Right. So that's on the negative side. I, I think that type of stuff in 2022, 2023 NFL is completely unacceptable. Uh, so from that aspect, the fact that they moved on, I'm, I'm not too upset about, but the fact that some of these, uh, some of these reports coming out that, you know, it's a JD and solid decision, but, you know, Woody being the owner kind of injecting his thought process, into the conversation 
we know how Woody can be with these types of things. Not sure how much that got into it. So, you know, just from an over overarching perspective, I'm not really overly upset that he's gone. But now you made the decision to move on. You better replace him, right? This is a pivotal year for the entire staff, um, both from a player development and just from a, a, a playoff perspective, a winning perspective. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I can't control what they do. But all I got to say is they better have a plan because if they don't, all of them are going to be gone next year. Ed, there are a lot of important decisions for the Jets this offseason, and there is none more important than what they do at quarterback. Zach Wilson hasn't worked out so far. The Jets have said that they're going to try and rebuild him and develop him in the way that they didn't do originally. Maybe he sits and learns in 2023. So he's not going to be the solution for this coming season, maybe down the line. But in the meantime, the Jets are going to have to get somebody in here that can actually play the quarterback position at a competent level. And there aren't that many great options available for the Jets. There are a few, and I'm going to let you talk about them. What do you think the Jets should do here at quarterback? Talk a little bit about your ideal scenario, the pragmatic scenario, since you've said you're a pragmatist. And then talk a little bit about what some of the emergency backup plans you think should be. Because unfortunately, we do have to deal in that reality. It's possible that all the best options will not wind up with the Jets. And then they have to go into emergency backup mode. What do you think the Jets should be planning here as far as best case scenario, most realistic scenario? And oh no, we didn't get what we really wanted. What do we do now scenario? Yeah, that's a that's a very very important question. It's a loaded question and and one that I've been thinking about. You know, not only for this year. You know, it's as as most of the people listening to this podcast, I'm sure, understand. It's it's been a battle at the quarterback position really since I, Chad. Really, <laughs> at the end of the day, maybe mm-hmm. Vinny. You know, it's it's been a it's been a long time, and you know, we've had some glimpses here or there, but nothing sustained. You know, 2015. You can talk about it all you want. It was Fitz magic. You know, whatever. Chucking the ball up to Brandon Marshall, you know, 15 times a game. But anyway, um, you know, I, I think moving forward here, it's 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 tough because the initial plan, let's say a year, year and a half ago, was draft Zach or whoever that pick was going to be, develop him along with the rest of the team on his rookie deal, and build around him. And I think the building around him part has largely been a maybe a success might be a strong word given the results, you know, base business we're in. Um, but I, I think largely that's been an okay evolution. I think it's been largely accepted across the league as as the right approach, you know, building through the draft and and kind of rounding out your team through free agency and and uh, the waiver wire, right? So that great. But as we move forward, we need a quarterback. And all of the decisions in my head I'm thinking about have to do with, you know, I, I was a business owner for many years, and one of the things in my head, I, I go to first is the salary cap and and how are we going to fit whoever we bring in around the other pieces that we have. So I think there's some restructuring if if we choose to do that, you know, with CJ and maybe Carl Lawson, maybe Corey Davis even, you know, if we don't get rid of him. Uh, so there's some options here, I think, with some of the, the bigger ticket players that we have that perhaps um, could be realigned to kind of fit in with the salary cap and, and some of these bigger name quarterbacks that we're kind of looking at. So I, I guess in a perfect world, I think everybody's go-to answer is going to be Lamar Jackson, right? Um, now, personally, and, and through talking with you and, and talking with with others, you know, on Twitter and, and just kind of in jet circles, you know, this PCL injury is interesting to me. Um, I am 
like I said, like you mentioned, a pragmatist. I'm I'm one that doesn't like to incur a ton of risk if I don't have to. So, given someone 200 plus million guaranteed, thank you, Deshaun, for for setting that market. Um, that's a little concerning to me. Uh, now, again, I'm speaking as a Jets fan who hasn't had a has not had a Lamar Jackson maybe ever. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, in a perfect world, sure, great, give them to me, but. I think a more pragmatic approach would be the Derek Carr uh, angle. And I, I say that for a couple of reasons. Uh, I know a lot of people, one, they like to say, well, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's an average to slightly above average quarterback. Why would you give him 40 million, blah, 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 blah. Well, one, last time I checked, he would, you know, six out of the seven top spots uh, uh, in Jets quarterback history would belong to Derek Carr if he was on the Jets since 2014. So that alone to me is is uh is striking and and really provides some perspective to how bad the Jets quarterback situation has been over the last 15 years. Um so that alone, you know, Derek Carr is really where I would go and again, coupled with some of those restructuring opportunities, you know, on some of the def- uh, offensive and defensive side of the ball um to kind of fit that in. Um and, you know, potentially how some of the offensive coordinator decisions may play into that. Uh, that's where I would go, uh, the Derek Carr route. I know some people might try to say, well, well, Ed, um, in cold weather, which it is in New York quite a bit, uh, Derek Carr is uh, below 40 degrees. I think he's something like two and nine with, you know, a pretty average stat line. Maybe it's like 13 touchdowns, 13 picks, something like that. Um I don't care <laughs> if I'm being completely honest with you, very blunt. Um, again, that stat line, 13 picks, 13 touchdowns in cold weather. Please tell me the last time we've had a quarterback that even can put up average average numbers. So uh, I think from a pragmatic standpoint, I'll, I'll kind of stop there if you want to interject. But I, I, that's kind of where I'm at mm-hmm. from a, a, a perfect dream scenario to a pragmatic scenario. Lamar and Carr are kind of the top two. And then I guess maybe Jimmy G might be number three, but I'll, I'll let you, uh, I'll turn it over to you if you have any uh, commentary on that. I've made my commentary very clear on the quarterback position many times. So this show is for you to shine, not for me to shine. <laughs> I'll let your comments sit on their own and I'll continue yeah. to talk about the quarterback situation other times because I've already done it a bunch and I will continue to do it until they finally get somebody. But in the meantime, Ed, beyond the quarterback position, the Jets do have some other important things they need to work on this offseason. They've got to fix the offensive line, safety linebacker. There's free agency. There's the draft. You don't have to give me any specific players, but talk about what your battle plan would be for the offseason as far as what to fix. And if there are some specific players or any ideas you have, Go ahead and talk about what those would be. Yeah, so I, I think the first thing on my list, outside of quarterback, that's obviously number one. Uh, we need to, we really need to bolster the offensive line. Uh, I know Makai. You know, I, I saw the end of year pressers where he's looking thin, he's looking fit. That's that's fantastic. I'm very happy for Makai. I, I hope he um, can become healthy and, and become a productive NFL player. I also am, as I've mentioned multiple times, a pragmatist, and I, I think. You know, it would be foolish for us to expect Makai to come in here and be a, a, a day one starter and, a, and you know, what we expected him to be at number 11 back in 2020. So I would like to see him back in the fold. I would like to see him uh, work his way into the starting lineup. That would be tremendous. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think we have to be realistic here. And I, I think we have to 
uh, be in the market, whether it be through free agency or through the draft, uh, a tackle. I think that needs to be high up on the list. Uh, also, I mean, at the center position, I know McGovern, everybody has their own opinion on him. I think he's been okay. Could we could we bolster that position? I think so. Uh, so center and offensive tackle are, are really where I would start on the offensive line. And then beyond that, I, I think the, you know, I think the tight end position were okay. You know, I, I know um, there's some talk whether or not we'll uh, retain CJ Uzama um, given some of the uh, contractual things with his contract, but I think tight end were okay. Um, weapons. I think honestly, I, I really like, if you had told me three years ago that our uh, top three receivers would be Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore and Corey Davis, I would have been like, Holy cow, that's, that's pretty solid. Um, but I think we could we could use an extra wide receiver through the draft or through free agency. Um, but I really think on the defensive side of the ball, that's kind of where my that beyond the offensive line and quarterback, we really need to upgrade our linebacker and safety play. Um, I think CJ has been thin. He's been he's been decent in coverage, but that's not where he's the best. I think we and then, you know, that second linebacker spot has been filled by Quan and Quincy. But I think we need another one, uh, you know, to kind of fill the void there, uh, because eventually here CJ will be on his way out, whether it's this year or or next year. Uh, but linebacker play and then then safety um, opposite of Jordan Whitehead, I really think we need to upgrade. Of course, uh, I think Whitehead's fine. He's not a ball hawk though. I, I want to see um, someone attack the football and, and generate those turnovers, which we really haven't seen from from that safety position this year. I think uh, Joiner's been okay, but he's I believe he's 32 now. He's he's getting up there in age, uh, and then the stuff behind him, whether it's uh, Tony Adams or um, you know obviously Will Parks for a little while there, and then Ashton Davis. I don't think that's the answer long term. So linebacker, safety. I think we're good at corner, um, and then the offensive line and quarterback. Those are the big four that I would hit here moving forward. Any players that you think the Jets should move on from specifically, and also. When everything is said and done, when the smoke clears, how much confidence do you have that Douglas and Salah will get this right in the offseason and set the Jets on the correct path? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I honestly, you know, I, I saw some of those reports come out regarding Carl Lawson here at the end of the year where he, where he had a setback with his Achilles surgery. Again, I don't know how much of that is is uh, favorable timing at the end of the year given his production or if that was a real, like really a, a, a big issue that he was dealing with in training camp in the beginning of the season. Uh, I'm not in his head. I'm not on that field. I don't want to uh, judge him or his play in any way, you know, re- re- related to that injury. However, you know, I believe he ended, correct me if I'm wrong. I think he had seven sacks. Is that, is that correct? Uh, regarding Carl Lawson. Um, but he, regardless, you know, that production from someone being paid what he's being paid is not ideal. Um, so I would like to see him either get restructured, and, and if not, um, I, I really do think that Bryce Huff and, and Jermaine Johnson can pick up that slack. So Carl Lawson, someone I'm looking at there to either be restructured or, you know, if need be, especially if we're going out to get a big fish uh, with respect to quarterback, you know, we're going to need some some room to, to make that happen. So Carl Lawson's one, and then another one uh, would be Corey Davis. I think, you know, he's been injured. He's He's if I'm being honest, he's had a lot of drops in a lot of key important spots, not only this year, but even last year. Um, so Corey Davis is another one where I think he's a good veteran uh, leader in the wide receiver room. But at the end of the day, uh, if you look at his production and his availability, um, 
I think that leaves a little bit to be desired. So I would be looking to move on from him or restructure him in some way. Um, so those are the big two. Uh, off the top of my head, beyond that, CJ is another one. I, you know, I, I still think he's got gas uh, left in the tank, um, but for what price, right? So I, I think at the time when he signed that deal with Mike McCagnan, he was the highest paid linebacker and reset the market. I believe that was in 2018 or 2019. So it's been a while. So I would like to see him either get a little bit more value um, on the Jets side of things, uh, or potentially, depending on how they attack linebacker, uh, I could even see them moving on from him uh, this year as well. So those are those are kind of the big three. Um, Dwayne Brown is another one I guess I can include in there. I, I, I think he's a great leader. I think he, he's been in the league for a long time. He played the entire season hurt, which is commendable and respectable in that locker room. But again, at the end of the year, when you're paying a guy – um, who's pushing 40 to play left tackle at a average rate or maybe even below average play at times given his injury uh, and his age, that might be another person I'm looking to move on from here in the offseason. So that's kind of an overview of a, of a couple guys I'm I'm really looking at. Uh, beyond that, I mean, from a J.D. and Sala perspective, like I said earlier, I, I think he's been an average-ish GM Um and I think they know what the heck is on the line here for them, not only for the team, but for them personally with their job and their career. Uh, so I, I think they they know what they're doing. They're they're big boys. They they're not. This is not uh, you know Adam Gase and Mike McCagney. I'm I'm confident when I say that. Now, do I think they have the perfect winning formula for the Jets to get to the Super Bowl? They haven't shown me anything to think that as of now. Um, but given where what we have and, and what we've had in those uh, crucial leadership positions in the last 10 years, uh, you know, I, I think they're just as good as anybody else, if not better, to get the job done. But again, I think it's, it's a wide variety of factors that go into that, um, including, unfortunately, the fact that we're in New York. It's a big market. Some people don't want to play here. Um, the tax situation, I know that can be a cop out here and there, but Look at the Tyreek Hill situation. That when you're making twenty million dollars a year, and you got to pay, you know, eight to ten percent state tax to the state of New Jersey, um, or you can live in Florida and play for the Dolphins and not pay a cent. You know, that's that's a that's a decision making um, element, right? So, I, other than just JD and Sala, I think there are some outside influence here influences like the market and and the tax situation in the Northeast uh, that also can play into it, um, but. At the end of the day, you gotta you gotta pay up for for the players that you want and that you frankly need. Uh, and I think this year, given the state of JD and Salah's uh, job security, I think they're gonna do what they need to do to get to where they need to be. Ed, I didn't need to fact check you on Carl Lawson because you were one hundred percent correct. He did have seven sacks. As usual, you know your stuff, and that's why I'm glad you were able to join me here on the offseason roundtable. As my Ricky Henderson, my leadoff hitter, a little slower, but much more knowledgeable (laughs) about the New York Jets. Ed Valley, meteorologist extraordinaire, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your thoughts and insights on the Jets' collapse at the end of 2022 and your thoughts on what they should do from here in 2023. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out your meteorology work or talk Jets with you, how can they do either one of those two things? Yeah, I'm very active on Twitter. Uh, if I'm being honest, I'm more active on the Jets side of Twitter, I think, than weather nowadays. So that's that's good. So, yeah, feel free to follow me on Twitter. My handle is at EdValleyWX. 
Make sure you follow Ed on Twitter, very knowledgeable Jets fan. And also, if there's some sort of cataclysmic weather event, you'll know about it ahead of time because Ed will be talking about that too. So follow Ed on Twitter, talk some Jets with him. Make sure you check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some fantastic All-22 breakdowns up there, so watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.